0: We want to welcome to our services today Pastor John Freeman. He will be preaching in all services this morning, tonight at 6, and then Monday through Wednesday at 7. He began preaching while only a teenager and pastored his first church at the age of 19. In 1985, Pastor Freeman started the Lighthouse Baptist Church in Salem, West Virginia, not too far from here. That's his hometown. He spent part of his childhood there, and he's been serving the Lord there ever since. Uh, he's also the president of Mountaineer Baptist College, a ministry of the Lighthouse Baptist Church. I first met uh, Brother Freeman when I was down at Camp Victory, and I heard him preaching to the, to the kids there and to the, uh, the adult workers. And um, the Lord spoke to my heart after hearing his testimony Uh, about having him come up here and preach. And I just knew uh, this is the man to come up and preach our spring revival. And then uh, we had a failed attempt at that. I'm so glad that he graciously agreed to come and, and to preach to us. So let's all be in prayer this week as he comes and gives us the word of God and what God has put on his heart.
1: All right. Praise the Lord. It's good to be anywhere when you get my age. But uh, anyway, I'm glad to be. By, by the way, I met a fellow yesterday. He walked uh, he walked in and uh, he announced who he was and all that. And he says, how are you doing, young man? <laughs> so I felt pretty good about that. Uh, it's not always that is the case. Well, I'm glad to be. here. I just got back from Camp Victory, actually, preached there to a camp meeting. I'm not really a camp meeting kind of preacher, but I, I enjoy camp meetings. And we had a good time with the Lord. And I'm just thankful for is Watch Care Over Our Lives. Somebody's been reading our website, I see, and uh, got uh, a little bit of bio there. But I want you to come this week because you want to see God do something in your life and the lives of others, and it's, it's going to take God to do, do things in our heart and our life like, the, like it should be in our life. Now, I want you to take your Bibles, Genesis chapter 19. Let's do everything we can to try to get some others here and see what could happen I'm so glad that God worked in my heart as a young person growing up and the blessings that have come there. But I believe it all starts with what I'm going to preach on this morning. And let's turn to chapter 19. Then we're going to go back to chapter 18 in a minute, but let's go over to chapter 19. This is the destruction of what we call Sodom and Gomorrah. And we see Lot was involved in that. Most of you are familiar with the story, I'm sure. But let's look here in chapter 19. Stand with me as we read for the word of God today. uh, Genesis chapter 19 and look down at verse number 15. The Bible says that when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life, took not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O not so, my Lord." Behold, now thy servant have found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy which thou hast shown unto me in the saving of my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain lest some evil take me, and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee, unto thee in his little one, O oh, let me escape thither, uh, it is not a little one, and my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for which thou hast spoken." Haste thee, now notice this verse, haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou come thither. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. Let's look down real quickly at verses, uh, verse, uh, 24, verse 24. And the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and they which grow upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And behold, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and said, Lot out of the midst of the overthrow, when he overthrew the cities in which Lot. We're going to be looking here, and I want to preach to you upon this subject this morning, standing, standing in the place of prayer, or standing in the need of prayer. I'm convinced that everybody here this morning is facing things in their life where you may need need a touch from God. Listen, we, we don't have to look very far to see what God is, or what we see that the devil has brought upon us as people of God. We see the things that are happening that are going on. We see what's going on in our world today. But the greatest thing is that God can appoint us and use us to be intercessors and to pray for others and gather hold of others. This is a little different message today than probably what I'll be preaching the rest of the week. But God give us grace. God give us help to see this great need that's going on in our own hearts and lives. Now, folks, I believe that God's capable of sending revival. Will God, will God send revival? That we don't know. But I, I believe with all our heart. I just preached a meeting on prayer at a church up in Lake Milton, Ohio. And God began to work there in the hearts of the people. We had, on the National Day of Prayer, we had a couple hundred people gather, or close to a couple hundred people gather, praying for our nation and for our country. And God began to work there, even in those people. We, we spent several seasons of prayer during that meeting. And God began to work. I've been meeting for the last uh, last t- ten years or so, with a group of pastors every Friday morning praying that God will send revival. Now, listen, folks, I believe that God is. I don't know that he will, but I do know this. I heard one preacher say this here not long ago, that God will give prayer and give us the spirit of prayer. And as we pray, we may not see the end results of all that takes place. But I guarantee you one thing you can have is you can have a revival in your own heart. God can send revival to your soul and to your life if you seek it and want it with all of your heart. There's blessings that come and power that comes when we seek God in prayer. In this scripture that we have today, we see that there's a young man by the name of Lot. He's not extremely young, but he's young compared to Abraham. He's the nephew of Abraham. And in this story, in this passage of scripture, we come across this, this man, Lot. There's been a lot there. He followed Abraham to this new land of promise. He came in here and settled down along with Abraham. There became times when there was discord between him and Abraham. They weren't getting along too well. A lot had to do, of course, with their cattle and the things that they had and the herdsmen that watched over them. You know, sometimes our problems are not just just people, but uh, there are people outside of the realm. As we see here in Lot's past. We need to stand in the need of prayer. Or we need to stand in the place of prayer. And here we see that Lot is going through much. I want us to get a hold of this for just a moment. Lot lost his interest in things. You know, Lot lost his interest in things in life. And as a result of that, he was was searching for what should happen. He took his mind off the spiritual things of life. And begin to turn his back upon the things of God. Woe to any of us that get to the point in our life when we lose interest in what God has for us. And what God will do for us. He not only lost his interest, but he lost his integrity. Got to the point there at the end of the story where Lot has his own daughters. And he's willing to trade trade them off to some men in order to gain satisfaction in his own heart and protection for his own soul. He lost his integrity. Things that were immoral now, he felt like were moral and good. And he lost his integrity of life. He was faithful through all this time. But then we see that fate took over, and his two daughters uh, were traded off. We also realize that Lot had lost his influence in life. We see him here among the, the townspeople. And as a result, they become his friends. And though we see all of that, we see even lost his own family. His two daughters, we said, were traded away. And even after this deliverance, we see them delving into immoral things and practices with their own dad. We also see that Lot, in his life and in his heart, was going through battles. His wife would eventually die and be killed as well for turning back to the place of Sodom and Gomorrah. I say all this just to say, folks, that Lot was not where he needed to be in life. Maybe you're here today. You're not where you need to be. I'm not talking about this church this morning. I'm talking about in your walk of life, days and of past that you choose in this old world that we live in. We become more interested in the sights we see around us than we are. Our sensitivity to God. God help us to understand Lot lost something. He lost his interest. He lost his integrity. He lost his influence over other people. As a result of that, the salt had left him. Most of us would say, well, Lot doesn't even sound like a believer. Doesn't even sound like somebody that knew God. But the Bible tells us in the New Testament, in 2 Peter 2, and verse 8 and 9, that he, he vexed his righteous soul. So he had a righteous soul that was vexed by God. As a result of that, going through all of that, uh, we see the things that Lot had brought upon himself. But Lot was a saved man. It's hard to figure out that he was, but he was. The Bible tells us so. But one thing that Lot never lost was his intercessor. He never lost somebody praying for him. You'll never know, dear friend, the power that prayer has over People's lives. You may be struggling today with a child or a young person or a adult or a husband or a wife or or somebody else that you've come encountered with through your days, and they're not where they need to be with God. But you can be where you need to be with God. You can stand and pray and seek the mind of God and pray with passion and authority. Old Daniel got down on his knees and began to pray. There in that chapter, Daniel chapter 9. And he said, Oh, that Lord, we have sinned against thee. Now, you name me one sin that Daniel had in his life when you read the Scriptures. We see that all of them, uh, all those chapters, and nothing is revealed of any of Daniel's sins. But he put himself in the heart of the people. We have sinned against God. And he says that over and over again. He put, oh, in his prayers. Oh, he said. Oh, he said. And he kept using that little phrase. That shows passion, desire. He was more concerned about the welfare of, his, of, of those around him and those that were with him there in that foreign, heathen land of Babylon. Oh, dear friend, Lot, Lot lost a lot of things. But he didn't lose somebody to pray for him. The story changes as we go back a chapter to chapter 18. God Almighty began to influence Abraham. Abraham had made some mistakes too in his journeys of life. But what a great man of faith in his life. But here's Abraham. And he's standing there. And he stood, the Bible says in the book of Genesis there, he stood in the place of prayer stood in the place of prayer, and he prayed. Not a lot had been going on in their life that was good and right, but he prayed, and specifically he was praying for Lot. And if you notice in the passage of Scripture that we read there, the Bible teaches us and shows us that he stood in this place of prayer, and as a result of that, when he left, the angels could not bring down judgment upon the city till Lot got out. And the reason for that is God heard Abraham's prayer. He petitioned and prayed and said, Oh, dear God, 45, 45. If there's 50, or then 45, and then 40, and then 30, and then 20. He says, if you can find those righteous people in this city. Lord, I know it's not like you to destroy the righteous with the wicked. I know your heart, Abraham's heartbeat for God. He stood upon that hillside and he cried out to the Lord and he prayed. I can see that silver hair and those, those, those waves uh, across his face from the winds that blew and he stood there in his place. He would not be moved till he knew that God had heard his prayer and he barked it down to ten and God says, I won't destroy it if there are ten righteous in the city. Now you count up Lot, his wife, his family members and all that is involved, my oh my, but he continued to pray, and he continued to seek God, God began to work upon his life, I think of lost, lost so much in his life through the years, but one thing he did not lose was somebody to pray for him, and it was a reason for lost escape, I remember I was for seven years when I first started pastoring there, I was a chaplain in the inner, uh, industrial home for youth there, and In West Virginia. And there were probably about 100 young people sent there. It was the last stopping point in the state of West Virginia. It was the last stopping point for young people to come and be incarcerated. I've talked to many of them. Heard their stories. And all that took place. One day I walked into one of the little cells or cubicles where they stayed. All they had was a bunk with a mattress on it. And a desk with a chair that rolled out so they could sit and uh, write a letter or whatever it might be. They just spent most of their time away from the rooms. But one day I walked in and this boy had, had uh, made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, all of a sudden we I followed him back into his room. And uh, there we were as he was sitting. And he reached over into his Bible and he pulled out a letter. And he pulled out a letter. It was from his grandmother. And he read that letter to me. Here was a woman who found most of her time spent in praying and interceding for her grandson. And she wrote in that letter how I'm praying for you that you'll find the Lord and that God will work in your heart and save your soul. And beautiful real, uh, letter that was written there by her handwriting to him and gave it to him. And he took that with that blessing that was there upon him. He began to rejoice in what God had done. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, Thank God for a grandmother who never forsook praying for her grandson. Oh, listen. Again, you may not be where you ought to be with God right now, and I pray that all changes. But thank goodness, most of us have somebody that's praying for us. And you may be standing today where you need somebody to pray for you. You may be standing in the place where you can pray for somebody else. But which is it today? I don't think there's too much middle ground on this. I think, either, I think either you're in a place right now where you need somebody to pray for you. I mean not just a little pathy prayer. I'm not talking to let now lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. I'm taking that will literally lay themselves out before God and say, Oh God, work, move. Don't let them go any farther than they're going. Lord, help turn them around. Make a difference in your life. And So you're either standing where you need somebody to pray for you, or you're standing where you can pray in behalf of others. Lot was standing in the need of prayer at this point in time in his life. He'd been carted off as a a refugee and was taken off into a land north of there. And Lot followed him there, or excuse me, Abraham followed him there with 218 men of his hired hands. And he took them off, and they rescued Lot and brought him back. I don't know there was any victory in Lot's life then. I don't think there was. And we see here that even though he was set free from this incident, that God began to work mightily in the life of Abraham as he prayed for Lot. So Lot's standing there praying. And he never lost his spot to pray. I hope you have a place you can go to pray. I mean that quiet place. But I was sixteen years of age. I just surrendered to preach, been preaching now for fifty-two years. And as I stood there at that place, I walked out of my front door at my parents' home there. I walked around to the school building. We were right up next to a school building. I walked around and there was a there was a place there with a fire escape that went up to it. Now, that's the school I attended, and that's where I did most of my playing and running around and everything else was around those school grounds. But I used that for my place of prayer. I could look over the city of Bridgeport, West Virginia, where I grew up, and uh, I could look over that, and I could see all the cars coming into town. I could see a lot of the housing developments around, and God passioned my soul. And I stood there on that hillside as a teenage boy, Asking God, make a difference. Use me. As I look back now 52 years ago, I look back and see what God has done. It's not been all a bed of roses, dear friend. It sure hadn't. But I can tell you this. There's times and moments when I know that I hit home with God when it come to prayer and God begin to work. There's people though that I have dear and precious to me now that I'm interceding for. And I hope that we would all catch a glimpse that God could use us to get a burden for those that need to be brought into the kingdom of God. Hey, listen, folks. He's standing here now in the need of prayer. That's Lot. But there's Abraham standing in the place of prayer. There's a lack of wholeheartedness in our prayers. Like I said, we, we need to pray like Daniel prayed and, have conviction in our heart and burden in our soul that God would reach down. I don't see that in a lot of our churches today. Sad to say, I don't see that a lot in our churches. When's the last time that tears were shed in a prayer meeting that you've been a part of? Vance Hafner said years ago, he said, our weekly, W-E-E-K-L-Y, our weekly prayer meetings have become weekly, W-E-A-K-L-Y. All oh, that we would strive in our hearts and minds to be where God would want us to be to pray. A. W. Tozier, who, by the way, pastored a church about uh, 15 miles from where where I pastor and where I grew up, and I could I, I remember his stories and the things he did. But amazed me this man who wrote 50, 60 years ago, how relevant it is to today's times. And he would take ride this train subway into into the city of Chicago where he pastored at the time and he rode he rode that subway and he got off the subway and he would go into his office building there in his study he would go over and take his his coat off and he would put on a pair of bib overalls and this is A.W. Tozer he got down and he prayed I sat under Dr. Malone for a number of years that, Midwestern Baptist College and we had a preacher there um, the the meeting that he went to was a part of and when he got when he got there um, there was there was A.W. Tozer sitting beside him he said you may not want to sit with me I'm not much of a conversationalist and yet Dr. Malone sat down with him and they did talk power that comes and ability to come, you may not feel that power when you first start praying for people, but he had an intercessing heart. Abraham did, and he wouldn't leave until he knew God had heard his prayer. Well, there's Abraham, he becomes this intercessor in behalf of his son or behalf of his nephew. We see here all that's going on. But A.W. Uh, a. Tozer would put on his, would put on his, his garments and his, his overalls and coveralls that he had on and he would get down on the, on the, the ground and he would take a hymn book in one hand and he would, take, he would take in the other hand, he would take a Bible. He'd read and then he would sing and he'd sing and then he'd read and then finally he would fall on his face to pray. All folks today, if we could just comprehend what's needed in our life, what we have in our soul, what we can have in our life, if we would truly pray to God and pray on behalf of others. good friend and mine, when we were first started into the ministry, I suppose I could count up on my hand about five minutes that I spent in prayer. Five minutes each day. I might pray ten sometimes. And there's a few times I pray a little longer, but I would say if you'd asked me how much I'd pray during the course of the day. Now, we all know that length of prayer is not necessarily the, the, uh, the, the direction that God has us to go. It's, it's our heart reaching out with a burden, desiring to see God do something in somebody else's life. And here we see that, that as God began to work here, God began to move upon them, that all that God had transpired, intercession. First of all, for lost ones. You've got somebody that is straying. Then you need to learn how to get a hold of God. I'm glad you want to run to the preacher and get him to pray for you. But I'm here to tell you, when you get the burden... I had a, we have a man in our church right now that, that uh, has been, kind of been in and out of church. But here about five years ago, he really got in tune with the Lord. And he's coming now and he doesn't miss a church service. And God's beginning to work in his life. And he just started getting burdened. In fact, this Sunday, hopefully, he's got two or three of his family members there in church with him. He's been inviting and been talking to them all. He never had really that boldness that he ought to have for the Lord and the things. But he's been really, God's been doing a number in his heart. God's working in his soul. And uh, I'm I'm praying even today as I left the the place that God would so work that uh, some of those might get saved. We'd see somebody saved. But as we sit here today, there's lost people around us that we could seek God and pray for. Yes, God will hear your prayers. Yes, God will come to your aid. But when we learn to pray for people, I realize there's sickness and all that, things we go through. I've been through heart attacks. I've been through all kinds of things in my life. not bragging on that, but that's, that's the way it is sometimes as we go through life. But I'm so thankful that somebody prayed for me. But I'm also grateful the fact that we can pray for other people. We can see the, the power and the authority that comes when we reach out and we pray for other people. Oh, I'd love to see God do that this week. Somebody you'd get a burden for, somebody that would, the, whose heart beats, that uh, is moved to, to live life but is lost without the Lord, or maybe they've strayed away, whatever it may be. But I'm here to remind you that God hears and answers prayer. He never lost his intercessor. I think of of a man by the name of Howard a number of years ago. And Howard was was just a a man growing up in a home. But his mother, when he got ready to leave the house for the last time, she said, son, Howard, I'm going to be praying for you. Every evening at 8 o'clock, I'm going to be praying for you. (laughs) And so he... He uh, walked out knowing that his mother be praying for him every night. He got involved in racketeering and all kinds of different vices and sins in life and straight away turned his back on God and everything else that he knew. And one day, one evening, he's sitting there and a man walks into his study to collect his, collect his money off of him. And he reached in his desk and pulled out a gun put it right out to that man and says, you're going to go out of here and you're going to leave this room right now or I'm going to shoot you. He got that gun and he began to pull the trigger, but nothing came out. He pulled another one and again, nothing came out. And he, he did that a couple times and finally he got upset and he threw that gun down and says, gun, what, Why? why have you failed me? And he, instead of asking that man to leave, he run out. And as he did, his eyes got hold of the clock. It was 8.05 at night. His mother's prayers hit home. Do you believe God can do that, folks? Do you believe God can do that? I'm so thankful I had a praying mother. I'm so thankful that my dad was concerned. I'm sure he prayed too. I didn't grow up in a preacher's home. But I go, grew up as close to one as you could possibly be. My dad was a deacon in the church and loved the Lord and did what deacons are supposed to do, by the way. And uh, God used my dad and mom. Both of them had a rough upbringing themselves. They didn't necessarily come from bad homes. It was just rough. Poverty and all the things that they had to face growing up and to start out a home with, uh, with very little in their hands. And God blessed them. And I'm so thankful that they were sincere, lived for God, and loved the Lord. Well, Howard Cadle later dropped on his knees and called out to God to save him. And he and B.R. Lakin used to have the Howard Cadle Tabernacle there. I believe it's in Indiana. And they began to rejoice over the things that God had done in their life. And God used them to literally use many, many to come to the Lord. And to trust Christ as their personal Savior. And there was a difference. I think we ought to pray for our lost loved ones and intercession for lost people as well that need the Lord. My my wife was uh this passed away a few years, a couple of years ago with COVID. And my my dear sweet wife got a burden for her dad. I was told that when we got married that his dad didn't like preachers. Well, he didn't actually hate me, but It was a little rough at first, but God began to open the door. I witnessed to him some. A preacher by the name of Dewey Williams uh, preached and took him hunting one time because he liked to hunt coons, coon hunting. So, anyway, there he was. God began to bless, God began to work. But still, my father wasn't saved. My wife prayed. She stood up at the last night of a revival meeting we were going on. She says, I'm going to go talk to my dad with tears streaming down her eyes and get him to be saved. I'm going to do my part. She got in her car. The church paid for gasoline and everything else to get down. It was just one of those things where everybody was liberal about things and giving and so forth. And she got in the car. She drove all the way down to Pikeville, Kentucky, where she was raised. And there was her dad sitting on the steps outside. And she walked up and says, what are you doing here? And she says, dad, I just want to make sure that you know the Lord. Ah, uh, He said, I don't need that. I don't need that, but she continued to pray. I know my wife, several times she sat down and she said, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get a burden also for other women whose dads are not saved. And so she began to find people. In the church. And she looked around at folks. And one of them was in the state of North Carolina. She prayed. She prayed. And she prayed. That her daddy would get saved. And then she said. I'm going to call a preacher. See if he'll go talk to him. And she did. And on the second visit. Want him to Christ. But my wife's dad was still lost. But she prayed. One day I was holding a funeral down there and my father-in-law happened to be attending that and he came and i saw him just race down the side he took me by the hands and i thought he was going to get saved but he didn't but you know what happened about t- two weeks later he was put in the hospital with pneumonia and a preacher there in Pikeville, kentucky walked into his room i know him very well he walked into the room and he got got up towards him and says charles you're liable to die. It's not the things you usually tell somebody when you walk in the hospital. He said, you're going to die if you don't give your life to the Lord. Ah, oh, he saw me later, my father-in-law, and he looked me in the face, and he said, "He says, uh, what would you think of a preacher who's telling you you're going to die? I didn't say a word. But all of a sudden, that coon hunting evangelist that had come to hunt with him, came back one day and they went hunting. And he asked him the same question. Charles, if you were to die, this 70 plus year old man, he says, if you were to die, where would you go? And he got quiet. And there in that truck, he pulled out his New Testament and led my father to the Lord. He got, I got a call about two or three weeks later. And, and he called me. He said to him, he said, says, I just need to be baptized. And he called me and we baptized him there in our church there in Salem, West Virginia. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm just so thankful that when we get a burden and we can pray and seek God, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Oh, dear friend, the power that comes when we get a hold of God and intercede. I started to tell you a moment ago there, my good friend of mine, we sat down together early on in the ministry, and he said, uh, you know, I just believe God would have us to pray for an hour. Well, I told you I'd only been praying about five minutes. And we prayed and started praying for an hour. I thought, how am I going to pray for an hour? I only could pray five minutes before. And then I began to pray for people and for others. I'm telling you, not just to fill up time, but you can fill up an hour pretty quick if you start praying for people in your church, for people that you know that need the Lord, for your friends, family, and others that need Christ. Oh, what a beautiful and blessed thing it is when we get a hunger. And Lot's life was only preserved because of an uncle that cared enough to pray for him. Oh, listen... The importance of praying. His intercession for the lost. His intercession for the nation. We see here that there are people who prayed. And I will not say much about this this morning. But a great man of God by the name of Reese Howe prayed. And with his school that he had there in Scotland. We see how they were turned back. The armies of, of, of the Nazis were turned back and didn't destroy their area. Because they stood foot and prayed prayed for their nation, prayed for defense, prayed for help and survival through all of this, but so that the God c- gospel could continue to go forth in people's lives. There's praying for our enemies. Oh, maybe the most difficult one we can do, but as we pray, we ought to pray for our enemies. Listen, we think of Christ on the cross. What did He say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Can we do that when they're suffering? When there's hardship, when there's mental anguish going on in our life, can we go before the Lord and say, Lord, would you forgive those who have wronged me? Those who have told lies about me? Listen, when we get a desire in our heart and a burden for what is going on, we may never be an Abraham to that degree, but God can use us to get a burden and to pray for those who need the help of God. How about the unproductive? Seems like you're planting seed, but nothing's happening. Oh, listen, Jesus told about a little shrub that wasn't growing. And, and uh, he, he went over, and the Bible says he, he began to take care of it a little bit and to prune it. And then he prayed, and he, this was his command. Just dung it. Just dung it. Just uh, put some things on it and see what happens in a year. So we lose sight of things we we can pray that God would produce in us and transform us to be what God wants us to be. We ought to pray for intercede for our pastor. I'm so thankful again that Lot here didn't lose didn't lose his his power. We see that he did fall before the Lord and then we see that the prayers of Abraham became mighty in his life. Paul spent most of his time praying for other preachers, helping them together. He said, by prayer for me in the midst of all of this. All there's things that we can see. All of us, I'm sure at some point in time, have had a prayer. If we know the Lord, you've been saved. You've seen seen people come alive uh, because of your prayers. You've seen things happen. You've seen God turn the state of things around. And we got literally a, a, a litany of of, of different ones who have, who have uh, been, been brought to the Lord or changed because of the things that have happened to us in our life. And if you haven't, maybe you're where you standing right now, need somebody to pray for you. My brother, he's 86 now, and he just moved from Atlanta, Georgia area, over to the north part of Alabama. He's been a deacon and all that, but he's just moved and his wife just died about a year and a half ago. And the transition of making that move, trying to get closer to his, some of his, one of his sons. And as he got a little closer and moved in and things began to happen, but he started telling me of a, something that happened a few years ago. And there was a dear, sweet old lady that came to their church there in the Atlanta area, Marietta area. And... He got, got to be with her and visited her, trying to help her a little bit. She says, would you pray for me? Now, this may seem something vain, but when you get older, you'll see what I'm talking about. When he got to that point and he, she said, would you pray that I'd like to make an extension onto my house, but I just don't have the money? And my brother bowed his head and prayed and poured out his heart to God for this lady. And then he walked away. He came back to visit her a few months later, and he noticed something strange when he pulled up to her house. And when he pulled up to her house, there was a tree that had fallen down on the back part of her living room. Went right through the window, right through the house, and was still laying there. It didn't happen, but but a few moments before that. And when my brother came in, she got excited. (laughs) You say, why? She says to my brother, she says, it may have taken a tree to knock that down, but now I'm going to have insurance money and be able to fix it back and extend it the way I need to be. Isn't that like our God? Isn't that like our Lord? I'm telling you, this walk of life and the things we go through, but oh, God, give us a burden. God, give us a burden this week. I know you've had them before if you've been a child of God any length of time. But God, give us a burden to want to see people come to the Lord. And if you have a hard time manufacturing that in your life, take a good look at what's going on in your own life right now. Are you where you need to be? You may need somebody to pray for you. I don't want to take anybody's uplifted hand for granted. Somebody needs help in this world. And there's a lot that He's going to be in heaven one of these days because his uncle not only prayed for him, but cared for him, tried to do everything he could to help solve his problems. And it took God wiping out a city to get him in tune where he needed to be. Hey, listen, folks, thank God for intercessory prayer and for the good things that God does in our life. Thank goodness. I say it again. You're either standing right now in a place where you need somebody to pray for you. Standing in the need of prayer. I've been there at times too. But you may be standing in a place where you can pray. And you can seek others. And you can watch what God does. What a mighty, mighty thing God is capable of doing today. But we've got to let go of ourselves and turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to get a burden for these people. They're going to die, many of them are going to die and go to hell without Jesus. That dear sweet little granny that sits there, who's never trusted Christ as their Savior, is going to die in a devil's hell one of these days. Unless somebody gets the gospel to them. I'm not being cruel. I'm not being hard-hearted about it. But that's the state that men find themselves in, who've never, never come to Christ as their Savior. Oh, how we need to get a burden. We go. I used to go to revival meetings when I was a kid and even as an adult. And every every, every revival meeting we had, evangelists would preach on, would preach on hell and the judgment of God. I know if I were to ask you, do you believe there's a hell? Probably most of you would. I said, I don't like being negative like that. Well, God made it, and God's going to use hell for His purpose. And for those who won't put their trust in Him. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish. That's not God's program for people's lives. But the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You may be sitting here today, and you're lost. There's no fruit or evidence that... God birthed you into his kingdom, and you need to get saved. It's been bothering you and been hounding you for days and weeks and months, but you can put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you can be saved today. Don't think, I'll get that settled later on in the week, or I'll do it some other time. The Bible says, Behold, now is accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. For if you put it off, the devil will provide evidence to keep you away. Put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Please, please trust the Lord as your Savior. 52 years of preaching, I've been around a lot of places. I've talked to a lot of people. We're seeing a lot of hard-heartedness. But bless the Lord, we're still seeing people come to Christ. I got together with a dad just a few, about, about a year ago. And he met after work one day. We got down praying for his 14-year-old son and 12-year-old daughter. And he was praying for them. He says, I'm confident they've never been saved. We stayed there and prayed for probably an hour. Praying for them, praying for the revival meeting we were in. And we got together and prayed. And then we got up and went home. And on the last night of the meeting, his two young people were there came to the service and i'm going to tell you something that that young man he's in his 40s but he's a young man in many respects and he came in there and was rejoicing when he saw his boy and his daughter set off and and knelt there at the altar and we prayed and they prayed and they called on the lord to be lord and savior and tears were coming down both of his eyes the evangelist's wife actually led her to the, uh, to the Lord there in the pew. They're sitting there at the end as the, the son was getting saved. And his, her brother was coming to the Lord. And what a movement of the Spirit of God worked in their life. I'm telling you. you know, they'll go with me to camp this summer. They'll do the things that normal young people will do. But I'm here to tell you, God did a work. God did a work. It all comes back to a burden that we need to have. Praying, standing in the need of prayer, or standing in the place of prayer. Where are you at today? Where are you at? Where are you at? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder this morning on this June day. I wonder where are you standing? Where are you sitting? Where are you at with God? Lord wants to save you if you've never been born again. He wants to bless you with heavenly blessings. He wants to be your father and provide for your needs. But he wants to take care of you. He wants you to give your life to him and be born again. Oh, what what joy, what liberty, what freedom. There comes to those who do that. And you're sitting here right now. You say, I, I know the Lord. I wonder if there's somebody that could raise your hand and hopefully many of you, but how many can raise your hand and say, I know, I know that the Lord Jesus is my savior and I have eternal life and I'm going to heaven. When I pass away, how many can lift your hand up as a testimony that today and lift your hand up and say, I know for sure. I know for sure. God bless you. God bless you. Put your hands down. And maybe you couldn't raise your hand. But you're saying, I need someone to pray for me today. I need to be born again. I don't know your life. I don't know where you're at. But I need someone to pray for me. Again, what you... Just raise your hand. I'll be glad to pray for you. I'm not going to necessarily call your name out. don't even know your name, more than likely. But you just raise your hand today and say, I'm standing where I need somebody to pray for me. God bless you. Now, maybe you're going through a rough patch in your life, a rough time in your life, or you've become disillusioned about things. You need somebody to pray for you today. Would you slip up your hand? Please pray for me. God's working in my heart. Anybody like that? Just put your hand up and put it back down. God bless you. Others? I need someone. God bless you. I need somebody to pray for me. Anyone else like that? I know there's other conditions we go through, other things we face. But you're either standing right now where you need somebody to pray for you, or you need be able to pray for someone else. Anyone else? All right, let me ask you this. How many got a burden for somebody? It may be a loved one. I'm sure you've been challenged to do this many times in your life. But if you really believe that God can answer prayer and you still have hope in him, he wants you to get a burden for people and to pray for them. I, I count it an honor when somebody will come to me and say, pray for my loved one, they need the Lord, or pray for this individual, and this person I work with, or whatever it may be. But God wants you to be instrumental. God wants you to pray. And this week, wouldn't it be great to see somebody that you're burdened about, that you get him to come? I pray that you come and put him under the preaching of the Word of God, but also... Bathe it in prayer. I wonder if there's somebody on your heart or mind. As we stand together, if we'll all stand together.